Let's, let's stand together, please. Matthew chapter 18 this morning. We'll look at uh, verse 21. I'll tell you what, let's, let's read verse 21 and uh, 22 together, corporately. Okay, so everybody read it with me. Beginning Matthew 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Until seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Father, bless the reading of your word and help me now to preach it. I need your help. I need your power. I, I need your strength, Lord, today. And I pray that you'll help all of us this morning to pay attention to the word Listen to the Holy Spirit in that still, small voice speak to us and draw us near to you. We pray this this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. On Tuesday this week, I was uh, really just spending some time in personal study, and I was studying the subject of emotional health. Uh, That is such a need today. And uh, just to be as familiar, you know, just growing my familiarity of it. And I came across a particular passage found here in Matthew 18. And the Lord just really, of all the things that I'd read that day, I, I had to write it down in my notebook. And it was just something that spoke to me. And I looked at it and I took a moment to pray. And I, the Lord just made it clear to me, this is something that needs to be preached. And I'd even mentioned on Wednesday night, uh, uh, talking about uh, something, I I said, uh, very soon I'm going to preach on this subject. And uh, the Lord just wouldn't let it go. And so we are here this morning uh, dealing with this passage. And this is a, a very important passage. So it's something here for every person. Every person. It's something that is needful for all of us, uh, because really it has a great deal to do with our spiritual maturity. And so I want every young person, every adult to glue in, because if we came this morning, we want to get something from the Word of God. Okay? And so uh, I, I will go ahead and say this right here. It's a difficult passage to preach. I told my wife this morning, I, I said, I really want you to pray for me today, because because this is, uh, the topic is not that easy. Um, and it's also uh, something that is, in a way, a little bit controversial. Because when you, when you read what others have to say about it, not everyone agrees on exactly what it has to say. And so I will go ahead and tell you, there's a lot smarter men than me who might, who might say something different about this passage. But I am preaching to you as I have prayed what the Holy Spirit has directed me. And so this is something I'm just relaying at the very beginning here. Uh, For us to, to deal with our emotions, 
Okay, and lots of, lots of us struggle with emotional health today. Uh, it's, it's becoming a more and more of a common thing. One of the things that really hold us back, probably more than anything else, is the subject of forgiveness. And it is a subject of whether it is forgiving someone else or forgiving ourselves. It is something that we deal with and we struggle with, and it, it, it really, um, uh, I, I'll just say this. If you want to see if a church is unified or if a family is unified, you'll see how they love one another. Can I get amen? I think we can all agree with that. If a family, you, you can see the dynamic of a family by their relationship with one another. And the same, and I'm speaking the context this morning of the local church, and I'm speaking as your pastor this morning, you see a church in how it loves each other. Well, sometimes, really, you, you, at the heart of it all, is how we conduct ourselves with individuals that we may not necessarily agree with. Or perhaps someone has offended us about something. And when you deal with a large group of people, at some point, you're going to get offended. All right? And how, how do we respond to that? I will, I, I jotted down a, a few words that I wanted to say here at the beginning. Forgiveness is a virtue that is key and the unity of the church. We make up a church of forgiven people. A, a church is a body of saved, baptized believers. To be saved, you have to realize that I am a sinner who falls short of God. I can't get to heaven without the gift of God that came through Jesus Christ on the cross. I realize that I need to be forgiven. And therefore, I come to Jesus Christ and I accept his gift. And Jesus Christ forgives me. We have the promise of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have that promise. And so we are a group of people. Of We are a forgiven people. Amen? We, we do not come together. All of us here, I, I'm just going to be blunt, we're all wicked. And you might say, I'm not that bad. Listen, listen, we're all sinners. And if we allowed everybody to know every thought we have had, everything that we have done, everything we have said, we would all be ashamed. So let's not be guilty of comparing ourselves with one another. Let's see ourselves for who we are. Forgiveness is the key to love and meaningful relationships. What does the Word of God say? It says, we love Him because what? He first loved us. We understand who He is and His relationship with us. It tears down barriers that try to be built to separate us from one another. It It's barriers that make us bitter even angry, and sometimes vengeful. C.S. Lewis said, Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely word until they have something to forgive. There's a lot of 
that's a profound statement. Here's a less, prof- here's a less uh, should I say, um, as well stated, all right? But it's just as profound. Someone said forgiveness is like passing a kidney stone. It hurts like crazy at the time, but man, it feels so good when it's gone. So much truth to that. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 3, verse 13, that we're to forbear one another, we're to forgive one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we get that. That's what the Word of God states. And that is, that is what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 18. And it's so difficult that in the verses that we read as our text, Peter just comes to Jesus. And y'all, we all know Peter's character, right? Peter's just going to say what's on his mind. And sometimes he gets in trouble for it. But sometimes we have to appreciate the fact he's asking what we all want to ask. And he just asks the Lord, well, how many times am I supposed to forgive? Oh, we all been there. And he even, he even upped the ante a little bit because he, he, Peter comes to the Lord and he says, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Why is that important? Because according to, uh, to the book of Amos, for one, also the book of Job, the Jewish custom was three times. Three times. Three times. If they come to you and say, listen, I messed up, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, you're to forgive But if it comes to four times, that's it. Well, Peter goes beyond that. He knows what the Word says, and he asks the Lord, he says, is it seven times? I'll I'll go further than, than Jewish custom. I'll go further than what everybody else says. Is it seven times? And you see Jesus' response I, I won't say seven times. He says in verse 22, until 70 times seven. How many of you right now is doing the math? Yeah, there you go, right? 70 times, well, why is 490? Does that mean, does that mean culture that we're to keep a book and say, well, he's on 489, he's got one more time? No, it's not, that's not really what he's stating there. He's just saying it's a lot more than you think. Huh. I'll give you one in Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. Has somebody ever done something to you that you're so angry that right now, let's go. I want to find him. I'm going to deal with it. And we all know if we're rational, we realize that just makes the situation worse. But sometimes we're acting out of flesh and we just want to deal with it and we want to take somebody on and we want to share how we feel about it and we're coming with a vengeful spirit. Or maybe even we get to the point where I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to pray, God, God kill them. God hurt them. I remember one time uh, as, a young, as a young Christian and we were at a basketball tournament. It was a state basketball tournament. 
And I remember somebody who's in our church, not, not this church, somebody who's in our church, and I remember him saying, man, I don't like that guy. I remember this, and I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm just listening to him. And he says, man, I don't like that guy. I wish something would happen to him. And something did happen to him. And the very next day, my pastor was preaching, and he says, sometimes we wish bad things on people. And that guy looked at me, and I looked at him. Can I tell you this? What does the Bible say? It shows our immaturity. It shows our spiritual immaturity. Because it says, the discretion of a man defers his anger. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. That's hard. That's hard. But it's his glory to pass over a transgression. Mercy. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we deal with such things? Because we're going to offend people and people are going to offend us. And the true measure of a family, the true measure of a church... Is not is is yeah. It's how you love one another. But how do you? How does your relationship? How do you forgive one another? How do you move forward together? Because unforgiveness builds a wall and a barrier, and it's built out of anger. It's built out of emotions where we say, "Listen, I don't want to deal with you." But the Word of God says. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Strong words. I preached on Wednesday night, we're looking at the principles of life. And on Romans chapter 12, you know the verses, verses 1 and 2, the principle. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? You present your bodies a living sacrifice. And most of us can quote that. But we don't always obey that because we're willing to give the Lord what we want to give him. This is not what we want, okay? We, we, it's easy for me to get rid of this. But a sacrifice is when it's something that hurts us and it's difficult for us to give it up. It's a challenge. But we're saying, listen, I'm all in. Lord, I'm all yours. And we're never to that point if we're not willing to present ourselves and say, God, I don't understand this and I don't know how to deal with it, but I know that you know and I'm trusting you and therefore I'm going to do what your word tells me to do. That's the living sacrifice. And he goes on, he says, but be not conformed to this world. Well, I know how the world would handle this. I know what they would do. I know how my flesh wants to handle this. But he says, and be not conformed to the world. The world doesn't dictate our behavior. It doesn't dictate our relationships. And he says, and be transformed. That means there has to be a change. It's beyond me. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, back, in my, back when I was younger, this is what I would do. Well, thankfully, I'm different than I was back then. So you look... This 
Peter's question has to deal with the previous verses. And to begin the chapter, they're asking who's the greatest in heaven. We are always concerned with who the greatest is. They ask Jesus, who's the greatest in heaven? Well, he just picks up a little child. Child is the greatest in heaven. And we see the child is a childlike faith. A child accepts God for who he is. Us adults, we complicate everything. We even complicate forgiveness. Have you ever done something wrong to your kid? You was wrong. And you went back to your kid and said, listen, I messed up here. I'm sorry. I've done it. I'm sorry. And our children are always very quick to forgive. That's all they need to hear. I'm sorry. And they just want to give you a hug and love you. They're not, they're not holding a grudge. We, we start holding grudges the older we get. We build those bears. A child doesn't do that. A child just accepts, I'm sorry. Well, he goes on, and we know these verses that I'm about to read as church discipline verses. This is how you deal with a matter. And usually the attitude toward that matter is this. It's about who is right and who is wrong. It's about law. It's about this is what God's word says, and this is what needs to happen. But that's not the spirit behind it. The spirit behind it is a spirit of restoration. So he provides a way for us to do so. And I'm going to go ahead and say right now, most of us do not follow this plan. Let's begin. Go back and look with me in verse number 15. Jesus says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, that means he's done something wrong, something you don't like. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Now, let me lay a disclaimer here. That doesn't mean if somebody broke the law, you just keep it to yourself. Because lots of times things get swept under the rug because they try to follow this passage. No. If the law was broken, you be sure the law handles it. What he's talking about here in this passage is a relationship that we have with our brother. And we're not just talking about a family brother. He's speaking to the disciples, okay? The disciples is the, is the congregation here. This is who he's speaking to. Those who are following him. And he says, if your brother offends you, then you need to go to him, he says. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he done something wrong, go and let him know. Go tell him. Now, how is it usually handled? We go and tell three other people. We go and tell three other people, and they hear our side of the story, and now four of us are mad at that particular person, and he don't even know he did something wrong. 
He, he didn't even realize he had messed up. He didn't realize what he said offended you. He didn't mean to. If you talk to him about it, you might find out, I didn't mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't even realize it. I didn't mean to. But now we done got a whole thing started and four people are fired up over him because we didn't handle it right. Because we're afraid of controversy. It's easier to spread, it's easier to spread gossip than it is to deal with controversy. It's not the Christian way to handle it. So, he says, go to your brother. He says, and tell him, tell him what, tell him what he's done to you. And if he shall hear thee, what's he say? Thou hast gained thy brother. In a, in, a, in a short moment, we're now divided because you did something wrong to me. I'm looking at Jeremy. Jeremy did something wrong to me. And I come to you in private and I say, listen, listen, I want you to know I didn't appreciate that. And I just want to know what you meant by it. And he tells me and, he, and we clear it up. And we give one another a big Christian hook. And we're good. We can move forward. I've gained my brother. It's not a matter of, oh, I proved I'm right. I proved he's wrong. That's divisive. If you've been married any length of time, if the argument is based upon who is right and who is wrong, it ain't going to end no time soon. It's about restoration. We're not trying to prove who's right and who's wrong. We're trying to come together. Well, let's say that person doesn't hear you. And it's, it's, it's not resolved. Well, he, he goes on and he says, he says in the next verse, he says, but if he will not hear thee, in verse 16, then take with thee one or two more. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Go, go get two or three wise individuals, wise Someone who can handle it. Someone who's not going to run their mouth and tell five other people. Some wise individual, go and tell them, and together, together you deal with it. And he says in verse 17, if he shall neglect to hear them, well then, that particular matter, if it's, if it's to that point, he says, tell it to the church. But if he neglect, and it, listen, this, this, can't be, this can't be because he said you're, uh, he said your uh, clothes were a little weird. This is something that is worthy to bring before the church. He says, if, it, if, if he neglect to hear the church, we'll let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. He's, he's got to be put out. Do you understand that? That's what he's teaching here in the principle there. He says in verse 18, Verily I say to you, whatsoever shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And here's verse 19 and 20, the verses that we love to quote. And, and again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, then that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We love to quote those verses. Do you realize in the midst of those, what, what those verses are, Jesus is saying those verses, what he's saying in the midst of it? It's in the midst of issues. It's in the midst of broken relationships. We, we, like, we like to say it when nobody shows up and we just say where two or three are gathered, praise the Lord, the Lord's here with us. That's not the context. Well, Peter asks, he says, well, this is tough. And I, I started off this morning in Luke 17 
where Jesus is talking about forgiveness and the disciples said, the apostles said, you, you got to increase our faith with this one. This one's hard for us. And it's hard. Can we all agree it's hard? It's hard. This ain't easy. But we, we want to be more like Christ. And we want, we want our families to love one another. And when we have issues with one another, we want to communicate those issues with one another. How many families are broken because somebody got mad at the other and now they won't speak? And how hurtful is that? It's hurtful. And we know this, we know that churches get split through such a thing. And how it affects our testimony. How many times have I said recently, every decision we make doesn't just affect us, it affects, our, it affects many people. And every decision we make is leading us somewhere. And we better decide real quick, is, is what is the decisions I'm making, is that where I want to end up? Do I like where this is taking me? Because eventually, those small choices... Take us down a road. Some, there are some Christians who believe it's okay to drink. I got news for you. My grandfather committed murder because he was drinking. Don't tell me it's okay to drink. And it all started somewhere where it seemed pretty okay. Don't don't tell me, don't tell someone who deals with an addiction that it is okay. It is not okay. Because it leads them to a place they don't want to be. And that goes for a lot of things. Well, you can choose to be unforgiving. Where is that going to lead you? Where is that going to lead your relationship? Is that where you want to go to? Well, Jesus, he answers, he answers Peter with a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he delivers a parable of the unmerciful servant, or you might say unforgiving servant. Begin to read with me in verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, let me say this. A servant, if you look it up, he's a slave. Now, obviously, he's got some kind of responsibility. So think of it like this. Daniel was a slave. But he kept climbing the ladder. He was entrusted with a great deal of things. Joseph was a slave, but everywhere he went, he got entrusted with responsibilities. So he takes an account. He's checking up. If I give a responsibility, it's wise as the leader to be sure that that's being carried out. And he checks up and he finds out this. That guy's been, that guy's been stealing. And he ain't stole five dollars. It says 10,000 talents. Whew. All right? 
let me, let me, let me help you put this in perspective. Now, I don't know if it's only 10,000 or much more than that because in, 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 the, in Greek, 10,000 is the highest number there is. For us, we'd go up to the zillions. Millions, billions, trillions, gazillions. 10,000 was the top. But let's say, let's, let's cap it off at 10,000. Ten, one talent is equal to 6,000 denarii or 6,000 pence. Okay? 6,000. One pence is equal to a day's wage. One talent is 6,000 days' wages. Do the math. I don't know calculator. It's a long time. It's a long time. He says 10,000 talents. Well, do that math. Don't do it. It's over 150,000 years. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's the point I'm making. Say, what, how much is it? Let's read. He says, and when he begun to wreck, in verse 24, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, he couldn't pay it. It's gone. What's he going to do? He can't pay that debt. Are you with me? He can't pay. He can't possibly. It is a debt that cannot be paid. And that's really why Jesus is delivering this. Why did he go up with such a high number? Because this is a guy who owed a debt that cannot be paid. And so the, the king makes a judgment, verse 25, as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had. Man, that guy's decision affected his whole family. And all that he had in payment to be made. Well, that guy ain't worth $150,000 wages, I can tell you. Years of wages. I can tell you that. All that he had in payment to be made. There was a huge, costly payment because of what he'd done. And so, verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Boy, he realized he's in a mess. And he realized he's at the mercy of the king. And he worshiped him, and he comes to him, and, and he says, have patience with me, I'll pay the all. You remember the prodigal son in Luke 15? And he was there with a slop, and he says, man, my father's servants have it better than I do. And he come to himself, and he, reasoned, he, he realized that, and so what is his decision? He says, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say, father, I've done wrong. Make me as one of your servants. You remember that? And what did the father do? The father didn't make him as one of his servants. The father put good shoes on his feet, put the robe on him, put the ring on his finger, finger and he says, my son is home. Go, feel, go kill the fatted calf. Well, he comes to him and he says, listen, I've, I've done wrong. I've messed up. Please have patience with me. I'll do everything I can to repay this because he knows he is in trouble. He can't do it. So he's at the mercy of the king. And notice the king's mercy. He says, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Wow. 
Compassion is what led there. Now, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king. Do you realize this morning that we all have a debt that we cannot pay? As sinners, we're at the mercy of a heavenly king. We're at the mercy of one that we have a debt that, we can't, that it is so big, we can't possibly pay it. And as a result, that, that sin has to be paid for, and it will be paid for in an eternity in hell. But if we have realized how we have done wrong, and we realize that we're at the mercy of the, the Holy One, the Just One, and we come to Him, and we have a repentant spirit, and we say, I have done wrong, I have messed up, be patient with me, have mercy on me, please just help me, just give me some more time and another opportunity, and I will change my life, I will live for you. And how many people have, have, have made, a, had made a decision, made a bargain with God? God, if you'll get me out of this, then I'll give you my whole life. That's not how we get to heaven, but it does show where our heart is. And with the compassion, the king says, I'll do better than that. I won't make you pay it back. I'll pay it for you. Because when, listen, listen to this. When someone forgives another, that means they take what you have done wrong and says, I'm done with it. I'm not going to hold you accountable for that anymore. It cost the forgiver something. What did it cost God? It cost his son Jesus Christ upon a cross. As Christ hath forgiven you, so forgive you one another. Did he deserve it? He did not deserve it. It's reasonable to say, you've got to earn it. You've got to work for it. The king knows he can't never pay it back. I'm going to have compassion. I know. He's broken. He's sorrowful. He's wrong. He's repenting. I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to forgive him at all. Isn't that a great God? I'm sorry. Am I going to save church this morning? Isn't that a great God? Are you going to sleep over something like this? Everything you've ever done wrong, every sin you've committed that is known and unknown, everything that, that God says don't do, and you have done it, whether it's private or in public, Jesus says, forgive them. Upon the cross, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgive them. I'll pay it all. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a remarkable thing. It's remarkable. That's what the Lord has done for us. And watch how the guy responds. Verse 28. The same servant went out from there and found one of his fellow servants, so somebody just like him, which owed him a hundred pence. 
Now, that's a lot of money. That's 100 days' wages. It's a lot, but it ain't 10,000 talents. Can I get amen? You want to compare yourself with one another? We're all still in debt. It may not be 10,000 talents. It may just be a few pence, but we're all still in debt. Well, he goes to this guy, and he says, you owe me 100 pence. You owe me some money. And he laid hands on him, and look what it says. He, what did he do? Took him by the... Took him by the... Give me your money. You owe me. Just picture it. Grabbed him by the throat. You owe me a hundred. You owe me a hundred days' wages. The guy that just got forgiven. Do you see how dumb that looks? You owe me. You're gonna pay me what you owe me. Grabs him by the throat. Imagine that scene. He just left there. Oh, please be merciful to me, a sinner. We talk about how we act at church and how we act in public. What Sunday looks like and what Monday looks like. Amen? Jesus knows because he's delivering it right there. Be merciful. Help me. I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm so broken. I'll work for it. I'll earn it. If you'll get me out of this, I'll give you my life. I love you enough to forgive it. And we take that forgiveness and we go to our brother. And we grab them by the throat and say, you have done me wrong. Oh, watch this. Can, can I show you? Go back to verse 26 at the end of the verse. The first servant said to the king, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Now, go back to 29. He said, he took him by the throat and paid me all that the owe. So verse 28 and verse 29. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. It's the same thing this guy said just earlier with the king. Same words. Please have patience with me. I know I've done wrong. I know I've messed up. I know I've hurt you. I have offended you. Just be patient with me, and I promise I'll pay it back. It's possible he could pay the hundred pence back going to take a while, but he can make, make payments. He's not in the debt this guy, other guy was. Have patience with me. Well, verse 30, the response of his accuser was he would not. He would not be patient with him. And instead, he cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Remember, Peter is asking... How much should I forgive? And this guy who had experienced forgiveness and had his debt paid has gone to someone who has done him wrong, has grabbed him by the throat, would not give him the same mercy that he had received, and instead cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. And the fellow servants who were around and saw this, saw what was done, it says that they were very sorry which means they were excessively grieved. They were very distressed. This ain't right. They saw it. They looked at one another. This ain't right. This guy, he's not right. They came and told their Lord all that was done. You remember the guy that you showed mercy to? And that's, that's a good thing to do, folks. Take it to the Lord. 
see what the Lord will do with it. He came unto their Lord and told them all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. You, you, you asked me for this, and I was willing to do this. I forgave you all the debt. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now, this is where it gets tricky. Because a lot of people want to make this parable a parable of salvation. It's not a parable of salvation. It is a parable of forgiveness. And you get to verse 34, and they have to deal with that. And, and, and we know this from comparing Scripture with Scripture. The Lord don't take back our salvation. We know that. So if, he, if, if we were to think that, then, then this passage right here would say that I forgave you, but because you did wrong to your brother, I'm taking all of that back. And now you're going to go to hell. Or some may teach purgatory. You're going to go to purgatory and suffer for your sins, and once you've suffered enough, then you're okay to come out. Or some say, well, he, he really wasn't ever forgiven to begin with. He, he prayed the prayer, but he didn't really mean it. And therefore, it shows up in his attitude, and therefore, it's now known and so now he's cast in hell because he never did really believe to begin with. I will say this, forgiveness is more than an action, it's an attitude. It's an attitude. And what does the Lord always want from us the most? And I'm about done, but you need to stay with me here. What's the Lord want from us the most? It's the heart. How many times did he say in the Old Testament, it's not the, he, he, commanded, he, he commanded the sacrifice, but it's not the sacrifice, it's the heart. You can offer all the sacrifices you want, but if you haven't given the Lord your heart, that sacrifice is meaningless. He wants more than the action, he wants the heart. You can't say, I'm going to forgive, but I ain't going to forget. That's not forgiveness. Yeah, what, what, is, what does the Lord say? I take your sins and I remember them no more. I cast them as far as the east is from the west. Huh. Well, he's delivered to the tormentors to pay that was due unto him. Can you hold your place there and go to Hebrews chapter 12? Just stay right. Hold you. I'm going to come back and read verse 35 to close. But I want you to see something in Hebrews chapter 12. Look with me in verse, let's look at verse 5. Hebrews 12 verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. 
If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he that uh, is he whom the Father chasteneth not? And I'm going to read what the King James Bible says in verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Which means you, ain't, you, don't, have a, you don't have a father. You do what you think is right. But God the Father loves you, and He's going to correct us, and He's going to get us right. You don't correct your son because you hate him. You correct him because you love him. And I want to help you get back right. So let me give you this. You can choose unforgiveness in your heart. And you'll wonder why you're so emotionally unstable. Because you have built up a wall and a barrier. You're angry, you're bitter, you want vengeance, you want malice, you want all of these things because you, will, you refuse to forgive someone. And it eats at you, and it eats at you, and it eats at you. And now your family is broken, and now there's no get-togethers at Christmas. There's no Thanksgiving around the table. There's, there's people in the church that once served together, and now you don't like one another. And all of that stuff happens because, because we refuse to forgive. And, and God's not going to just let it go by. He's not going to not chasten us. He's not going to let us be, go through the torment of dealing with that until we're willing to go and either one, ask for forgiveness, or two, forgive it when they ask for it, or three, forgive it even if they don't ask for it. I'm releasing myself of this. Hmm. We don't want to live there. It's not a good place to live, but we live there all the time. People live there all the time. And are bitter. And it's good chance. And I'm not, I'm not thinking of anybody, just so you know, and I'm not pointing something out. I'm not preaching a message because, because I'm trying to deal with something from the pulpit. I'm just preaching a message because God directed it to me early in the week. There's a good chance that some of you have a problem with one another. And it's been going on for too long. Or you got people in your family that you have a problem with and it's gone on too long. And I'm not saying that they didn't do something wrong. It's not a matter of who's right and wrong here. It's a matter of your relationship with the Lord. And we're all responsible for ourselves. So it doesn't matter if somebody else does right. I got a responsibility for me to do right. And if I'm under conviction about it, I can't say, yeah, Lord, but I'll get this fixed when they come and apologize. Well, what are you doing with Romans chapter 12? Where's the, where's the living sacrifice at? You're not totally committed. I'm not totally committed. Let's not pretend that we are. We're only committed in the things that we want to be committed with. We, we talk about people who take this out of the Bible and take this out. of We're just as bad. We take what we like, and we throw out what we don't like. I will tell you this morning, I didn't want to preach this today. I fought this and fought this and fought this. 
And I knew I was supposed to preach this today. Let's close. Go back to Matthew 18. Notice how he closes. Verse 35. This is why I believe he's dealing with the chastening of the Lord. Because this is forgiveness. It's a parable of, he's dealing with forgiveness. The context is forgiveness, not salvation. The Bible says if we've been forgiven, we're to forgive others. He says in verse 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. And he's speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to the apostles. If you choose this behavior, so will the heavenly Father do unto you. And if I compare Scripture with Scripture, God's not going to send me to hell because I'm stubborn in my heart. He's already forgiven me of that debt that I could not pay. But he will allow me to be delivered to the tormentors. And I will not have peace in my spirit, in my heart. I will not be right with one another. I'll have bitterness. It'll show in my face. It'll show in my words. It will show in my actions. Until... I get that matter resolved. This parable is not so much about our action as it is about our attitude. It's about getting our hearts in the right place to forgive. Let's bow our heads.